Welcome to Solutions from the Huddle, where we discuss meaningful business topics to add value to your efforts. Titus Bartolotta is a certified business coach that's often hired for one-on-one coaching, corporate training, and speaking engagements. Now, here's your host, Titus Bartolotta. This is Solution from the Huddle, and I am your host, Titus Bartolotta. Man, I am so glad that you are here with us on the number one rated show in the whole world. And uh, the person doing the rating is me. So we never really lose. We're always in the number one slot, but I appreciate you uh, always tuning in. And whether you're catching the show on any of our podcast channels, or you're listening right here in the Queen City of North Carolina on ESPN Charlotte, we are really excited that you're tuned in and listening to us. If you've never tuned into the show before, we always bring uh, uh, really successful people. These are entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, celebrities, professional athletes onto the program that have been there and done that. They've enjoyed success and they are prepared and able to give us some strategies and best tips. Uh, we bring successful winners onto the program. And the lady we have today is, uh, is she's incredible. I mean, she's absolutely a successful person and you're going to learn a lot. So we, this is one of those shows where you go back and listen over and over and you take really good notes. Um, before we get to our guest, we always start in prayer. We ask that you might join us. Lord, we ask that you bless all parts of our show, um, our guests, our sponsors, everyone involved. Let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Amen. Okay, friends. So here's who we have. We have the owner of Bogues Consulting Group. Uh, she's won several 30 under 30. So she's young, but she's like super smart. Uh, and she is a former PRSA award winner. And I don't even know what that means. She's going to have to tell every one of y'all because don't none of y'all know what the PRSA award uh, is all about. But without further ado, Brittany Bogues, welcome. Thanks for being on the program. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah, you're so bubbly and friendly. And like, you've got a smile. Like if you, you guys are probably not seeing the video of this, you're going to just hear the audio. But if you get a chance to meet Brittany, she'll just smiles. And then you're just like, I need to find something to be happy about so I can smile along with her. Um, where does that come from? Like, where does that joy and just exuberance pour out of you from? Yeah. So, um, I don't know my faith really. And just being grateful for just being here. Um, I feel like you only get one life and, you know, time is really precious. So, um, I'm really grateful for, um, the work that I do. I'm grateful for my, the life that I live. And so I feel like why not smile, you know, things are really tough right now. Um, and so if I can be a blessing to others and help other people and people are definitely pouring into me. So, um, I try to do that to others as well. Well, you're winning at that for sure. For the folks that don't know who you are, Brittany, can you tell us a little bit about your journey? I mean, you have this wonderful consulting group where I know that you do amazing PR work and marketing work and help people really get their message and their brand out. Um, but where did it start for, for you? What's your journey like? How did you get to running your business today? Yeah, so I mean, it definitely wasn't um, easy. Um, when I graduated from um, Wake Forest in 2009, it was like the height of the recession. So I ended up taking a, um, an internship with Swanson Communication um, and their client, their biggest client was Floyd Mayweather. So it was really fascinating because I mean, we're working with, I mean, boxing royalty. And so it was really f a great because I landed my first big placement with like Bossip and, 
uh, media takeout, and it was really great, great experience, but it didn't land me a job. And so I was really hard pressed to really figure out what was I gonna do. And so I had to create my own space and created uh, my first company. And um, it forced me to be an entrepreneur just due to the climate we were in, kind of similar to what we're in now. And so from there, um, I really built up um, some skills, business skills, um, but then I transferred into the nonprofit world. Um, in that, I definitely learned um, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur. I feel like a lot of people want to be an entrepreneur. Um, and I see a lot of like posts on social media about, you know, quit your nine to five. And all I will say is that as much as I love being an entrepreneur, like not everyone should be an entrepreneur. Like yeah. it's not for everybody. So like, don't make people feel bad if, if they don't choose that route. It's not for everybody. But if you are disciplined and it, it does feel like it's for you, do it, you know? How do you, how do you determine when, when people are talking to you about, I'm just so tired of the boss telling me what to do and the schedule telling me where to be and I don't want to have to put in a vacation request form ever again. I'm going to start my own thing. How do you, how do you identify who should take that leap and maybe who should continue getting their grind on and being an amazing professional in the, the field they're in. That's kind of which led me to where I am today. Um, and like a not even plug, but I actually just did a YouTube video on this. Um, Bogues Life with Brit Bogues. I just did a YouTube on it. Um, how to like start a business in 2020. But essentially when I worked at a nonprofit, I had a, a boss that like our leadership styles clash. And I pretty much was like, do I want to stay in this? Like, or do I want to go? And can I make it again as an entrepreneur? And I said, go for it. And pretty much to your point, you pretty much have to decide, do you have the discipline? And are you ready to solve a problem? Is your business something that solves a problem for somebody else? Mm -hmm. Because if it is, then yeah, you can probably make a business out of it. But if, if it's not solving someone's problem and if it's also more like a hobby to you, then most likely, and you're not disciplined or passionate about it, most likely it should stay a hobby and not <laughs> your full time. Yeah. And I feel like that is kind of the differentiator for people. Yeah. I think that's so smart. And, and, you know, I've heard so many people, Brittany, that say to me, um, well, we bill, you know, I'm a plumber, right? And, and, and our company, we bill $125 an hour, but they only pay me 15 bucks an hour. I should probably start my own plumbing company so I can make more of that. There's all this extra money left over. And, and I would love for you to talk to the, the people out there listening right now that thinks that the difference between what they get paid and the rest of the billable, <laughs> that it's not all profit, right? There's a lot of cost that goes into running a business, yeah? Yeah, I mean, there, there's far more costs. And that's kind of to the point that I, I really had to learn that. Like, so my first business, like, the, you don't think about, that's what I, I lacked. I lacked the business planning and the, and the leadership. It really is important to know that, like, in order to run your own company, you need to know and be self-aware because, like, there's times that you need to know that you don't know everything. So you need mm. to know that to know that you're going to delegate and so if you're trying to grow your business, you need to know when it's time to delegate it to someone that does know. And so if you're trying to make more money, sometimes you have to delegate that. And in making a business, you have software that you're responsible for. You have um, little things that might come up. You have insurance that you have to pay for. You know, you have to 
trademark you have i mean there's so many little expenses that yeah. add up that you don't think about and then you have to pay payroll so, yeah. then, so then yes you're only getting 15 but you're not thinking about the owner's overhead that yeah. they have to like pay for and so that's kind of why you know as the employee sometimes you don't have to think about it like when you go home you don't have extra worries you know you get to go home yeah and there's so much value in being able to shut off and as an entrepreneur, you, you really almost never get to like completely shut off, right? No matter how good you delegate, that's still like your baby. Exactly. You, you have to take care of it. Um, but, if you're, but if you love it, you know, it, it's, it's, you love it though. And so yeah. it's a fun kind of thing. And so, but I, I will say like what I'm trying to get better at is like, finding time to like delegate, but also like I'm time blocking. I'm learning how to get better at like scheduling because you do need a better at structuring. So yeah. like you're not pouring all of your time because you can become like a little bit of a workaholic and put all of your time into your business. Yeah. And the balance gets out of whack, right? When you do yeah. that. So, you know, one of the things that I try to coach clients on is I, I and they always get grumpy with me because they'll tell me something and I'll, I'll challenge them. I'll go, is that something we need to delegate, automate, or eliminate? Mm, and you, you got to pick one of those three, right? So like you can't just do it all as the entrepreneur, right? Like you have to know how to wash the dishes in case the dishwasher quits. You have to know how to take the order if the waiter quits. You have to know how to cook the food. But you can't take the order, cook the yeah. food, wash the dishes. You can't do all of it. So you got to delegate, automate, or eliminate. And I would love to know as an entrepreneur, how do you eliminate something that's like, this is my idea. Like this was going to be the next big thing in our business. I just knew that if we did this thing, if we sold this product and then like a couple months in, you're like, this thing ain't taken off the way I was, I was hoping it was going to take off, but you don't want to kill it because it was your idea and you're the entrepreneur. How hard is it to eliminate something when you're supposed to be, uh, you know, running the ship? That's gotta be hard. Um, one thing I, I, I just recently got my master's and one thing I learned in that, I guess like one of the biggest lessons I kind of learned is that in business and, and in communication and life and in history, if you want to be successful, you kind of have to be flexible a little bit. You mm. have to be agile. And so you kind of have to know that things are going to have to shift a little bit, you know, uh. So I, I guess like that's the that's the easy answer of it. You kind of have to yeah. be you have to know that it's going to shift a little bit. It has to. Yeah, that's right. I don't so, know. So people are learning. I mean, they're probably hearing your entrepreneurial spirit right now. But but walk me through. You said you started your first business in the recession. You were like, you know the whole economy is falling apart. I'm going to start a business. I don't give a crap. I'm doing this. I, I kind of love that. Like right in the face of where most people would be so scared. You were like, no, we're starting a business. Let's do it. Well, um, I mean, literally I had no choice. Like, yeah. no. So when I graduated, you have to think about it. Like it's 2009. There's all these like more experienced veteran and I'm in PR like marketing. So they're willing to take pay cuts and like they have all this experience connections and I wanted to be in New York. And so it's like, they were, they were willing to take these pay cuts and have the experience. Of course, they're going to get the position over me and they're already living in New York. Sure. So like, you know, I had to do it. And so luckily, like my dad is, uh, you know, he's the shortest person I ever played in the NBA. And he's like, 
he wasn't on social media. He didn't have a website. He like, he didn't have these things. So I was able to use him as my first client. And like, I mean, I, I, knew enough about marketing and PR and that's where where my background was and I was able to organically grow his following and actually get really good at it and get him appearances and get him bookings and and really get really good at it and was able to start getting other clients and that's kind of how I was able to grow my first business that's yeah that's a lot of like it's still even though you feel like it was it was the only choice and you said it's my only choice there's a lot of folks that are listening right now that, 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 that would not have thought that way. You know, they would have, they would have picked a do nothing that, that do nothing was still an option for some people out there. And it didn't sound like that was an option for you, which was, which is really cool. Um, how did you, you know, having your dad, you know, be someone that's famous, you know, the shortest player to play in the NBA, was that, did, was there more pressure to perform as, as someone growing his, his bookings and his PR or did that make it easier? I mean, you know, some people might make the argument, well, he's already known. And then some people might make the argument, yeah, that's why he's going to get him a million bookings next Tuesday. I mean, was that a really difficult position to have that as one of your first clients? Uh, yeah, it was definitely difficult. It's difficult for a couple reasons. Um, I'm a woman and it's sports and I'm younger. So sometimes people would like not really want to deal with me because I'm a woman or they would like want to be like, okay, well, can I speak with someone else? They, they would think that I wasn't the end of it, but it's like, no, no, no. Like I'm the person, I'm the gatekeeper. Like this is it. Like, yes. Yeah. And so like that was kind of, and I know I, I realized it was mostly the age thing more than like me being a woman mostly. Um, but like there was definitely pressure. Yeah. Because it's like some people are like, oh, well, I mean, he, he already has a well-known name and then other people it's like, oh, well, I mean, it should be, it's, you know, you should, it might be harder. So, I mean, either way, it's like people are going to say something regardless. And so I just can't really care what people are thinking. Mm. And I just have to kind of focus on what is going to work for me and my team. Um, I have learned over time, though, that like it really pays to be a great leader. um, And it also pays to empower your team um, and really support them, make them feel heard. And um, it'll go way further than anything else. How how has that helped you shape your team to be a person who's younger and maybe have someone look at you as though, oh, she can't be experienced. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Do you ever catch yourself uh, being apprehensive to take on a younger person because of perhaps their lack of experience? Or has that actually caused you to say, no, they're maybe more mold, they're more shapeable and moldable, right? I mean, they don't, I don't have to break the 10 bad habits they have (laughs) from having done it wrong for 30 years. Um, Has that helped you lead more effectively? Or do you sometimes catch yourself when, when the bottom line is in jeopardy, when it's, when it's stay in business or not going into that traditional, I need to find somebody that's already been doing this for 20 years. No, it just, no, it literally depends on the, the role and the goal. Um, Mm. that's how I always kind of go, whatever the role and the goal is, that's who you try to figure it out. Cause I mean, there are entrepreneurs at the age of nine that are killing it right now in the game. So like age is nothing but a number. So like, I do not discriminate at all. I mean, one of my best interns ever was in high school. He Mm. literally created his own sports group in high school, had a 
fan following of like 15,000 on Instagram and Facebook. He sold his, his like fan page to another group or whatever because they wanted his followers. Like he wow. was a business genius. Like he's amazing. Wow. Amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. He was brilliant. Like I loved him. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, I, there's no age to anything. Yeah. Now. Okay. Let me flip the coin. What about somebody that's older? Right. And maybe, yeah. maybe they're, they, the stigma might be they're not as hip and cool and they don't know technology. And I mean, let's be honest, right? I mean, people go into this with some preconceived notions. Biases are not always out of evil, right? Sometimes okay. it's just, it's like, oh, he or she doesn't know technology because they're 75 years old or that person's 21. They're, they haven't been laying, living long enough. We're so quick to put limits on humans, aren't we? Um, so let me flip the coin on you. Has there been some folks that maybe had some gray hair, some older in life, they've eaten more bread than the rest of us. Uh, and, and maybe you've had to keep yourself focused on the, it's just a number. Yeah. So we have worked with like um, some older individuals and it's been really, um, it's been kind of cool. Um, they bring experience and like just a totally different perspective that mm. we didn't even think about. But also as our community initiative, we literally teach senior citizens in our tech bugs program, how to use technology. So like, I would be like a hypocrite if I say that we don't like, we totally are embrace it and we love teaching um, all ages technology. So. Yeah, I love that. And, and this is this a, a organized charitable? Yeah, well, it's, it tell me more about that. I, yeah, so it didn't even start that way. So um, it was just a community service project I did on my own. I created it. Um, my grandma, she doesn't live here. And she, we are she's like one of my best friends. And I usually when I go visit her hang out with her and her girlfriends. And I used to go to parties with them. And they would like literally start at 12 noon, which like I thought was hilarious. And I'd be like drinking and you know, having their dinner or I mean, their lunch, which was a full spread because you know, my friends, they're young, they're not eating anything like they're just drinking their carbs. Yeah. And I'm just like dying laughing. And like, I still have time to go to hang out with my friends because their party's over at like two. <laughs> so I just like had so much fun, but I always found myself like setting up their cell phones and fixing their Kindles and helping them with, and I was like, this is, you know, this is something they need to know. Like, yeah. but I also used the phone to help connect with my grandma. So um, I started volunteering at a local um, nursing home here. And so we created an actual program for um, like a here, like a virtual program. So we're trying to get it um, like with the city so we can do it with, um, with high schools. So we can do like a pen pal program. That is so cool, man. Like my mom, uh, who, who she's 70, she, she listens to the show. Mom, I need you to find Brittany <laughs> next time you have an issue with your phone. Uh, she's going to help you get through it. Um, yeah, we're trying to implement a phone service to get them to their like a tablet. Yeah. yeah Cause you know, that phone might be easier to start before. That's we so cool. Yeah. I love that. Uh, tell me a little bit of shameless plugging. Tell me how do people, maybe they're, they're, What's an ideal client for you look like? So if they're a listener of the show right now, uh, if you could kind of map out, here's the, the folks that hire me. They look like this. They do this. The, this is what their needs are. And then maybe finish up with, um, you know, how they can actually reach out to you. What's, what's the website that that ideal right person should even go visit if they want to do business with you? 
Sure. So um, our ideal client um, is a small to mid-sized business um, or entrepreneurs. Um, and usually we also work with um, some nonprofits, um, but they usually come to us looking for either some branding work. So branding can consist of um, logos, websites, um, some kind of collateral, or they're looking for some awareness and storytelling. So they want us to help them with press, um, getting them interviews and um, on the media circuit, um, stories, media placements, um, magazines, TVs, and things like that. Um, we can be reached at um, our website, bogesgroup.com. So B-O-G-U-E-S group.com. Um, and that's pretty much the best way to reach us. I yeah. love the work that we do um, because it is really nice um, when you get to literally see your client, get to read about the work that they're doing um, authentically told by the journalist because earned media is so much more credible than like, you know, a paid advertisement. For sure. I think the difference between um, branding and bragging is really just who says it, right? <laughs> exactly. And so when we get other people to, 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 you know, tell the world how great we are, that's some good branding, right? Um, what are, you know, what are the specific roles? Like I know I'm a business coach, right? So uh, a big part of my business plan is building credibility, right? Speaking engagements, people seeing me as a credible person. Um, are there any other specific niches um, of industry whether it be real estate, whether it be banking or financial advising, or what are some of the, the business industries that a lot of folks are in need of this press and media circuit and, and getting their branding out? Um, you know, one thing that comes to mind might be law firms. You know, it's such a noisy marketplace. And, and I know that being able to break through and have a story to tell and to connect with an audience and to be really credible, because uh, what, what lawyers charge is not cheap. And in order to to justify that expense, they better be credible. So, and I might be wrong, that may not be a good industry for you, but what's a couple good industries? Because either our listeners are going to take action or our listeners are really great networkers and they're going to reach out to the person they know that could be um, helped by you and your, your firm. Yeah, so really great industries are definitely real estate. Um, real estate has been a really great industry for us. We've worked with a lot of um, different real estate developers and um, individual real estate like entrepreneurs. Um, surprisingly, the financial industry has been really awesome as well. Um, as well as, like you said, lawyers, the legal industry has been phenomenal as well as healthcare. Health mm. um, and like the CBD kind of industry mm. has really been booming right now. So. Um, okay. And they've really been in need of the PR. So, yeah, that CBD stuff because it was kind of tough for them to get started. There was such a stigma and it's so controversial, and so they are really in need of storytelling to help legitimize um, things. You know, because sure. there are a lot of um, benefits to it. Sure. How about when someone's in crisis? Uh, is that a perfect opportunity for them to reach out to your firm to yeah. help navigate them through that? mistake maybe they made or the mistake that it looks like they made and they're having to try to figure out how to get through it? Oh, most definitely. So we specialize in crisis communication. And um, the first thing you definitely need to know about um, crisis communication is all about um, being authentic and being transparent. And so we really help our, our clients craft that messaging um, so that it really comes off that way um, so that you have a smooth transition and a 
can be reintroduced and really get your branding back on track. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I you know, I oftentimes will tell people that when, if, if we're going in the wrong direction, we generally don't need motivation to go faster or further. Um, we need to stop and pivot <laughs> and go in a different direction. Like if you, if you set out to run a mile and three quarters of the mile, there's a cliff and maybe halfway into the mile, you realize the cliff is coming before your finish line. You probably don't want to finish the race. Like you probably, you know, you'll die. You probably don't want to go the, the distance. How hard is it to get people to realize sometimes like you've got to stop and, and allow us to help reintroduce you. I love that term you used. Like you, you've got to be reintroduced. You know, you can't just stay out there. You got to come in the back here and then let us bring you back out. So there, I was just, um, I'm reading Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he's one of my favorite authors ever. And so I've been like reading all these different books about different theories and stuff like that. And so I read about the Dunning theory or something like that. And it was basically talking about like how there's just certain people, like they, they're ignorant to like certain things. And if they believe it, then it's just like, if they don't look it up, they're just not going to look it up to know if it's any different. Mm. And so Yes, there are some people that are definitely capable of like pivoting, but I think sometimes you just have to know that some people may not pivot, but I feel like there's definitely two ways and or strategies that you can use. Um, I feel like being a, um, an empathetic listener is definitely helpful. I feel like not enough people are active listeners. They're just like listening to kind of like respond, but really you just really just need to listen to listen. Um, and I think that would that's way more effective. Um, and then I think sometimes people try to just um, communicate just to have a response. But I think instead, when you listen to someone, communicate and change your communication to meet the person where they're at. Instead of trying to get them to like meet you, like, no, just meet them. And I think you'll get way more um, progress from what you're trying to get motivation out of the conversation. I love that. I, I mean, I think that as children, we're taught to treat others um, the way we'd like to be treated. But I think magic happens when we treat people the way they want to be treated, right? And it requires a lot more work on our part. Like we have to ask questions, God forbid. We have to like investigate humans and like try to better understand them because uh, we already know ourselves, right? So our best reference point is me. So if I could just get you to understand me, then everything will be okay. And that's probably a horrible PR decision, right? <laughs> probably awful. Yes. Yes. So here's what I'd love to do before we put a period on this already, I think, massively valuable conversation and interview. What are two or three of the areas that you have failed at, right? Entrepreneurs, um, I, I think the metal, the real amazing entrepreneurs I've met are the ones that can tell you, man, I've screwed up in a few areas and here's what I've learned. Um, so I would love for you to maybe share one, two, maybe even three areas where I, I learned the hard way, but, but I didn't do it a second and a third time because I, 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 I did it wrong this time. Um, and before you tell us that, I'm going to just quickly say thank you to a few of our sponsors. That's also a way to give you an extra minute or two uh, to come up with your examples. But we want to say thank you to Easy Living Technologies. It's a wonderful audio video firm right here uh, in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. They do great work in people's homes and, and, and in restaurants and, and waiting rooms, making sure that we have audio and video. Uh, speedy oil change uh, in North Carolina. They make sure our cars are safe to be on the road and get us from A to B. And we're so grateful to have them 
as a sponsor. We're also uh, grateful to have Quality Air of the Carolinas. It is hot. And if you don't want to be sweating inside your house, uh, you need to make sure that you reach out to Quality Air of the Carolinas. Let them keep your house uh, nice and cool for you. Uh, we're so grateful to have each and every one of those sponsors. With that, Brittany, um, you are a successful entrepreneur. You're the owner uh, of Bogues Consulting Group. You are a multi-time 30 under 30. Uh, so that means super young and super smart. Basically the Doogie Hauser <laughs> of PR and branding. Um, and then a PRSA award winner. Tell us though where you messed up. Give us one or two areas where, man, I bumped my head. Uh, fool me once, but you didn't fool me a second or third time because I learned from it. What's some areas that you learned from? Um, I definitely know um, two things I did not do um, correctly the first time in business um, that um, I totally changed this time in business. Um, the first time in business, I was trying to um, serve everyone. Like um, I was trying to offer everything for everybody. Um, and you can't really do that um, in business. Yeah, you definitely want to offer like a great product and um, you should be inclusive, but your product should solve the solution for the desired target audience, you know, that it's made for. And so like, that's what it, that's what it's made for. And so that's what I had to understand. Like, I was just trying to do too much. And so that was kind of my problem. That's why I couldn't cater my message to anybody because it was for everybody. Mm. And so you can't do spray and pray marketing and think Come you're kind of going to be successful. You know, um, you have to do custard, uh, custom and personalized marketing and, and like, you know, PR and stuff like that. So that was definitely one of the biggest, like, best lesson I learned. Um, another, um, I would definitely say it was, I didn't like put enough time into like my business planning and my first business. Like I knew like kind of what my services and like stuff like, but I really needed, like, I should have clearly defined like roles and like, like roles, like scaling my business. Like when I grow, what are my weaknesses? So what role would I need to create to fill that weakness and what type of person would I need to do like to fill that weakness and what would they be doing? Like what are the actual tasks that they need to be doing? Because that's really key. Like that's really important. Yeah, no, yeah. that's, that's awesome. Um, because we have such a really cool, unique opportunity to also ask you this question. Um, you know, this show is being taped in 2020, which is basically, I think a novel, written by uh, people that write scary stories um, because 2020 has been a interesting, weird, scary year um, through, through COVID, through so much civil unrest in our, in our, on our nation. Um, but you are not just a young, we talked a little bit about you kind of over having to overcome some obstacles being a, a young person. Right. And, and some people were thinking, Oh, she doesn't know cause she hasn't been around long enough, but you're also a female right? An entrepreneur, a business owner, a leader as a woman, and you're a person of color. Um, I would love any words uh, of advice or insight or, or perspective relative to being um, a professional, being an entrepreneur, being an owner, being a leader, but doing all of that while being a woman and doing all that while being a person of color. Um, there's some unique perspectives and challenges uh, and probably strengths and opportunities, right? That come with that. Um, but but it, it would come better from you than, than 
a super white bald guy named Titus. So I would love to give you the opportunity to kind of speak into that if you, if you don't mind. I just feel like um, just having the opportunity to have a platform to even, I guess, address something like this is opportunity enough because there's clearly not enough platforms, spaces, or in general for women of color or in business, you know, to kind of speak about it. Um, I know like every time I speak to another woman of color in business, they always say like they might have pitched a story to like a publication or something like that. And it's really hard for them to get their story covered or like, you know, stuff like that. And I know recently because of everything that's going on in the media, a lot of black businesses have seen like a boost in like sales and coverage. But that's like just recently in the past two months, like why hasn't that been like over time? And so I guess like the exciting thing is like this movement and like all the things that are going on has like really shaken things up. It's like been a renaissance in a sense. Like it's it's really been interesting to watch it kind of unfold. And so as a woman of color, woman in business in general, it's been, you know, just interesting to watch it. Um, I do wonder because like still like women still are paid less than men, still hold less leadership than men. I just wonder what the impact of this new remote living and lifestyle and new economy will look like overall for everybody in the long term. Yeah. You know, I think that for me, I mean, obviously, this show is powered by Collaborative Solutions Group. You know about my company and coaching. And, and when coming up with a name for my company, I, I tried to look at what I thought was like the most powerful thing that humans can do and it's collaborate. And, you know, I think that people that come from different places in the world and speak different languages and are different genders than me and different colors than me, like if I just get all those people to collaborate and get all the great ideas, and get all the great perspectives. Like, even if I'm completely not on the same page with someone who's older than me or darker skinned than me or different gender than me, like I'm able to be so confident in my position because I had all the information and I could make an informed decision. And there's so many times that I can tell you as a man that I never would have thought of fill in the blank if that person would not have proposed that position or perspective to me. And I hate looking clueless. Like I hate lacking awareness, like being stuck, not knowing bothers me more than being wrong. <laughs> and when we don't have all the voices and all the perspectives, we don't have all the information and we are clueless. Yeah. And so I think having more Britneys on our team, in our conversation, leading the charge um, is not just good, uh, maybe not even just great, but necessary. So thank you for being you. Thank you for being a great leader in this community and from teaching my mom how to use a phone <laughs> to, uh, to helping PR and branding and being wonderful. And I encourage everyone to go to the website, give it to them one more time, the website for, for Bogues Consulting Group. Sure. It's boguesgroup.com. Yeah. I, I think you guys need to go there, learn more about Brittany and uh, don't just support her, have her change uh, your, your, your business in such a positive and profitable way. Brittany, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. It's a blast. Awesome. Hey guys, Titus Bartolotta here, your host for Solutions from the Huddle. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in today. And if you want to stay involved and engaged in the show, be sure to check out all major podcast channels by searching for Solutions from the Huddle. Thanks again for your support. 
We hope you come back.